CJAM 99.1 FM, your only true sound alternative in Windsor, Detroit. CJAM broadcast from the University of Windsor locally at 99.1 FM and to the world at www.cjam.ca. So you're hanging with your inner circle. Maybe you're making cocktails. Maybe you're packing bowls. Even while we're distancing, it's important to remember alcohol and cannabis each mess with your driving skills. Be cool. Make sure you and your friends get home safe. Take a cab if you need to. A few bucks could save a life. And we could do it again next weekend. A message from Arrive Alive, Drive Sober. albums the same way I think about films just the same way I think about movies I think of them in terms of timing and emotional reach and how much and how much when and why and I I think there's I think there's a story in everything I mean there's always a story in like how we got here and why we're making it together or why you wrote something or why I'm working on it and that's like not nothing are currently tuned in to Absent Sounds here on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. My name is Weedy, and I'm Yuju, and we are your hosts here on Absent Sounds. Each week on our show, we pick two albums to play through and dive into the stories behind them. Now, if you know anything about our music taste, while it is quite messy, you might start to notice a significant thread or person tying them together. This person happens to be Chris Walla, and on our show this week, we're joined by Chris himself. So Chris is a musician who has been in the music scene for quite some time now, and he's worked on a number of our favorite albums, and with a whole bunch of different artists we love, like Tegan and Sarah, Foxing, The Decemberists, and very recently, Pine Grove 2. And most notably, he is or was a founding member of one of our all-time favorite bands, Death Cab for Cutie, which he was a part of up until 2014. Now, Chris is someone we very greatly admire, and we're very thankful that he joined us on our show for this week. And while there was a whole bunch of albums we could have chosen to play through for today's show, the one that we ultimately decided to play through for today's show is one that has a special place in our hearts. Songs about leaving by Chris is Weird. This interview ended up being a really long one because there was so much to talk about as we dove into the album and so we decided to make today's show an extended one and it'll be two hours instead of our usual hour and 30 minutes but before we jump into playing songs about leaving we're gonna get to meet chris so stay tuned and i hope you enjoy the interview Just won't ever seem to 
Thanks. Um, and as we're nearing the end of the year, we're definitely kind of those people that love to do those reflection journaling type things. And um, I wrote a list of questions in today's question. Pretty easy, so we figured we might as well ask you. Um, what has been your favorite book, movie, show, or podcast, et cetera, from this year, and why? Uh, b- uh, book, movie, show, or podcast from this year? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, I read a book called 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> Because we, sounds like a bunch. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a like you know I, so time management is like not one of my strong suits. But also I feel like time management as a concept is kind of, um, it's kind of garbage. Like uh, there's, you know, it's it's like um, uh, like this idea that like you you spend all this time like answering emails and then you get more emails. It's like the more you answer, the more you receive and then the more you have to answer. And then all of a sudden you don't have any time to do anything like make food or (laughs) anything else. So, um, I, I, uh, and also like, I'm, I kind of hate time management books. I'm just like, really not, that's like not what I'm into, but like (laughs) this guy, he wrote this, I can't remember the author's name right now, but he wrote this book that's basically, um, a book about it's it it like masquerades as a time management book but really it's just about how time management is garbage and you <laughs> only have four thousand weeks on this planet and you might as well just like spend time with people you love and um and that's like that's that's kind of it so it was actually like really life-affirming for somebody who mm-hmm. um kind of has a really hard time just like keeping uh keeping on top of things yeah for sure it honestly kind of sounds like it would be trapping people who yeah, <laughs> are people productivity like... hordes i guess yeah yeah and it really does like kind of um it i don't know yeah i just really enjoyed it it, it sort of spoke to me so so yeah that's that it's pretty it's pretty boring but i did enjoy it i guess taking it back to your roots or i guess how you grew up um I know that like once upon a time you were a kid and Chris Walla that exists now was a much different person than the one who used to be, or at least isn't the same person as you were when you were a child. Yeah. Um, and I guess like knowing that you started out playing piano and looking back now, is there anything that's like a, a really strong connection that you can look back from then that connects you to where you are now? Yeah, so I um I would say that the uh the experiences that have really like really shaped me were almost never like piano lessons or band or like any kind of formal training where there were like rules and like you have to do this and it has to like fit into this box like mm-hmm. right here. Um I I I didn't figure out until I was probably like 30 that like if somebody had just said to me when I was sitting at the piano and just like, you know, making up songs and melodies and like just playing the piano to play piano because it sounded cool. Um, if somebody had just said to me, like, that's cool, keep doing that. Everything yeah. would have been so much easier <laughs> because like I spent so much time like just trying to like. Like fighting it. Yeah. So um, uh, and I did have some uh, I had a couple of like really excellent um uh, English teachers like I had a creative writing teacher who was just yeah. so special and so spectacular you know yeah. I mean I hope that like everybody everywhere like has one of those teachers at some point in their life 
Um, but certainly everybody's heard stories about them. And I definitely, like Mrs. Drumheller was just like the best. And, and I think about her uh, and, and her approach to um, creativity and just continuing to like ask questions like, oh, that's cool. What's that? What's behind that? What did you mean when you said that? And just sort of like um, kind of the way that a kid does, honestly, like the way that you, you know, you're talking with like a five or six year old and they're like, what's that? And you tell them what it is and they say, why? And then you tell them and they say, why? Stops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it just never stops. And like, that's where I kind of feel like that's where the good stuff comes from. So it's a continuing process, too. It's like kind of every day, even still, is just sort of like... Um, I just like trying to stay really connected to what actually matters and what really actually matters is um, some kind of emotional connection with whatever you're doing. Like, you know, anything that like brings you closer to like just bursting out laughing or closer to tears or closer to like screaming is like, that's all yeah. good. That's all great stuff you know it's like we spend so much time like trying to teach one another that like we should be like professional and in control and we should present ourselves a certain way and it's like oh my mm -hmm. god it's just so boring like all the good stuff is like in in the in the kind of sprawly messy places so yeah and I like I mean I you know it's like my last day job was like working at a Starbucks in 1999 oh my gosh it's like I I don't I'm I <laughs> like really had to answer to anybody like that for a long time. So, yeah. um, and I feel, I mean, I'm just like incredibly blessed that like that's the case. But, um, but still, even still, you know, there's still like stuff internally that's just like, now you should maybe try and like, and, and it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, um, yeah, always a process, I guess. What part of the process is the most fun or makes you feel the most spark when you work too? It's uh, like, there's a point when I'm working on something um, because working on music is still work. It's always work. Mm -hmm. But there's a point and, and some of it's really sloggy, kind of dumb, terrible work. It's you're just like, you know, it's just mouse clicks. And it's sort of like, oh, my God, why am I still mouse clicking through this? Like, why am I still editing drums? Like, I feel like I've been editing drums for four hours or something. Mm -hmm. But there is always a point in a creative process where something pops into focus or starts to pop into focus and you can actually see or hear what it is or what it's going to become. And that is like, that's why I get up in the morning and that's why I do all the mouse clicks is like to get to those points where it's like, Oh, I know what this is and I know yeah. when I'm going to put it on and I know how it's going to make me feel a year from now when I, when I hear it somewhere. Um, whether I'm reaching for it to put it on again or whether I'm like in a grocery store and hearing it or, you know, wherever it turns up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's like, that's kind of, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. And I guess I, it's kind of interesting how you mentioned that, I guess, point where you reach and you're like, this is it. And I, I know each person kind of has their own definition of what it means to be finished with something. Um, I guess for us as procrastinators, it's kind of typically whenever the deadline is or um, time management. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, even though we're, we're by no means musicians and uh, I just from the outside, it kind of seems like there's almost this endless. Yeah. Especially with like uh, computers and stuff and like the digital world. There's yes. just so much you can keep doing or yeah. adding to a single track. And so how do you know when to put it down? Is that are you just aiming for that feeling of? Um, I know yeah. 
Jeez, do I know when to put it down? Uh, sometimes I don't know when to put it down. I mean, there's, you know, there's like a handful of things that I've just had like on the drive for like 10 years. And I, and I don't like, I don't work on them all the time, but I sort of, there's a couple of things that um, I just feel like they're, they're great and they're going to work at some point. But like now is, is it maybe not now, maybe later, maybe um, I, I think that half of my uh, struggle is like actually knowing when to pick things up oh. rather than when to put them down because um, it's uh, like all of the producers right now who are like really on fire and just like slamming through records, um, they work fast and they complete stuff quickly. Um, and, and that has just like never, uh, that's never really been, I think largely because of where I came from, like making records on tape, you can only move, uh, you can only move so fast, but then because it's a limited form, you can actually only work on it for so long. There just comes a point where like you actually can't change that much anymore. So, um, so you work slowly and then you just like hit the wall, you filled up 24 tracks and it's like, well, is this what it sounds like or not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and if it's not, then you like start over, you just get another reel of tape and you try it again. Mm. Um, so I, I have gotten kind of lost in the infinite um, the infinite hard drive, just like <laughs> doing it forever and ever and ever and just tweaking and pushing things around. And it's uh, I find it kind of maddening. It's like kind of hard to yeah. hard to hard to do. I more and more, though, I um, when I'm working with an artist, just really paying attention to when uh more than ever, like paying attention to when they get really excited about something and having that guide me to the end um, rather than uh, like sort of trusting myself so much, just like really leaning on other people's like um, other people's enthusiasm or really like uh, and, and the thing is, artists aren't always like really enthusiastic. Sometimes they're really freaked out. And, and like, you know, so like I know something's good, like whatever they're doing, I know that they're on the path and they're like working at it, but, um, but they don't always know it. And in that case, it has to be me who's just like, yeah, no, 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 we have to keep going. It's not done yet. You sound great. This is working. We're going to get there. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'm, I, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it, it's pointed in the direction of the thing you asked. Yeah. I know that you mentioned that sometimes the artists that you're working with might be insecure about what they're working on or the end product. And I know that with experience or time, you kind of build up that confidence too. But even at the start when you worked on something about airplanes, I mean, now there's quite a cult following for the record. But at the time when you're making it or even at the process, in the process of making it, did you did you ever doubt that you were good enough to be doing it? Yeah, I, I mean, like, I know what you mean. Before you had produced something about airplanes, did you feel confident in your ability to produce that? Or no. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that makes sense. That's what I'm asking. No, I was like, I was just like the guy with the four track, you know? Like, I okay. was sort of like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I guess this, said, oh, this sounds cool. Oh, that sounds cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess this is a record. Does it sound like, a, I guess it sounds like a record. I think. Yeah, I guess so. And, you know, in all honesty, it's like kind of still like that. Like that actually never goes away completely because like there are, I mean, it's like every record is just like, 
um they're god they're all so different like all of these records like i mean it doesn't matter what it is or what genre it is or who's making it it's like they all come out so different and and it's just i i'm just so into the um the idea of like faith just this idea that like we're sort of lost in the woods and like i don't know it's like let's all lead for a while maybe you lead for a while mm-hmm. like we're gonna get to, we'll make something eventually eventually we'll get out of the woods <laughs> we'll have a thing like i don't but i don't know how to get there let's try some stuff yeah like and and just treating it all like it's just kind of a um i mean it's all kind of a game it's all kind of an adventure it's like i don't know what sounds cool oh that sounds cool like let's try that you want to try that i think i want to try that i want to hear what that sounds. let's do that so it's yeah. like you sort of like a um i don't and 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 it's all like really honest too it's like i really don't know if it's gonna work or if it's cool it's like but i am really curious about it and i always do want to hear what it sounds like yeah and eventually hopefully a record comes out the the end of it so <laughs> how do you yeah. stay curious for so long after like working on so many different albums over such a long time do you ever feel like you get a little I, it's tired? people i'm just like intensely interested in um in people i'm intensely interested in th- in our impulses like the things that we reach for the things we pick up the things that like you know when we light up like what it, it's it's just so different for everybody and that's why the records are all different and and so I'm, you know, it's like as soon as people get boring, I'll just like stop doing it. <laughs> and and so I but I, I just like don't really think that's going to happen. I just like people are just like insane. Like we're all just so nuts. And and that's all great. Like it's so fun in the best possible way. Yeah. 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 And it's like really hard sometimes because like you it's we all have feelings and preferences and personalities and egos and like all that garbage that kind of gets in the way sometimes um and it makes it hard but you just you just keep trying stuff and 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 eventually something cool happens we're going to take a little pause from our interview now and play some music for you in advance of our interview with chris he asked him to come up with a list of some of his favorite canadian artists and albums for us to play we have high school by the flashing lights Left and Leaving by The Weaker Thens, and Call It Off by Keegan and Sarah.
You are currently dialed into an episode of Apps and Sounds here on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. For this week, we had an interview with Chris Walla and are diving into one of our all-time favorite albums, Songs About Leaving by Carissa's Weird. But before that, we got to play our CanCon for you, and so Chris gave us a list of some of his favorite Canadian artists and songs for us to play in our show, and that's what you just heard in that set. Those songs were High School by The Flashing Lights, Call It Off by Tegan and Sarah, and Left and Leaving by The Weaker Thens. Now we're going to jump back into our interview. So like I um I mean okay so I'm gonna talk about radio for a second like I'm kind of a radio okay. nut I love yeah. radio I know I love radio. and and because radio is so cool um and and growing up in Seattle we had a really unique radio landscape because there was a there was an NPR station KOW there was a second NPR station that was dedicated to jazz KPLU. There was a third public station, KCMU, which ended up turning into KEXP. Okay. So that's already, that's like three public stations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're all covering um, like kind of really different stuff. Um, There was a commercial classical station when I was growing up. So the NPR stations never had to cover like classical music. Because it was a commercial classical station. Yeah. (laughs) And then there were all these like rock and pop and r&b stations um on like just like commercial radio i actually can't imagine that in seattle it was incredible you guys it was so cool and so the thing that happened was that the um like the the rock stations were all like really competitive with one another because there was the underground like the kcmu that turned into kexp and and so the way that they differentiated themselves was like um, I mean, there was like a radio rock rock station, and that was like kind of boring. <laughs> but then there was a station that was playing like, I mean, they were playing like, um, they were playing Kiss, but then they were also playing Bjork, but then they were really? also <laughs> playing Ted Nugent, but then they were also oh playing gosh. The Cure, and they were also playing uh, The Tragically Hip, was where I heard that band for the first oh, time. Oh, okay, yeah. So like that, what, and it's like, I, you know, it's like I'm 13 and I hear all these, all these artists together in the same place. And it's sort of like, oh yeah, this is all the same thing. <laughs> no concept of like, like genres or anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then I also like, I just loved pop radio growing up. Um, and I just like adored, um, there's a pop station called KUBE and they were, um, I mean, like, I'm I'm a massive Janet Jackson fan. Like, kind of everything that Jam and Lewis ever did. Like, I'm just so into. And that stuff was, um, like, 
I like when I used to mow lawns for money and I would just, you know, it's like I have a Walkman and it's on 10 and it's all distorted and blown out and it sounds terrible. Yeah. But like, you know, it's I'm listening to whatever KB is playing and then I get bored with it and I'm like over on one of the rock stations and then I'm like <laughs> listening to KCMU and um, and and yeah. So anyway, like this is a long way of getting to uh, a lot of Canadian stuff, like really made it over the border into um, into either the KXRX, mm-hmm. who's like the com radio, like kind of the I guess you call it an alt station now. And then um, uh, KCMU is covering uh, a lot of stuff that was happening like on the East Coast. So and then like a little later when I was like 1920, it's like um, KCMU was playing a ton of like the Halifax stuff, like Thrush Hermit and um, Eric's Trip mm-hmm. and God, what else? Like Sloan and the Super Friends and like sort oh, of yeah. all those bands. Um, the Reostatics, like just kind of all this like sort of old school CanCon mm-hmm. rock. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like all that stuff I just really like. I really like love um and it's just like really tucked in there and and i uh and i'm really fond of it so yeah yeah Yeah. it was i i mean it was one of the best things about growing up in seattle like the the way that radio worked there we really was like so vast and broad and you really could just like spin the dial and end up at something like you you'd never heard before like kind of all the time and it was it was really really fun um, yeah. And it's one of the things I think I miss the most about the um, uh, just about like playlist culture. And yeah, I, I think that because it's it's hard to just like kind of spin a wheel and like kind of end up anywhere. You know, it's like you sort of always have to know a little bit like what to search for. Yeah. It's really tough to just like stumble into things. And I think that um, uh, the way that radio did that um, really worked in conjunction with the way that record stores did that. Because, like, you never had any idea what a record store was going to have. Mm-hmm. And so you just wander in there and it's just this, like, cave full of bins. And it's, like, really daunting. But you start, like, plowing through records and pulling things out. And it's like, what is this? I have no idea what this is. It looks weird. I'm going to buy it. It's, like, 50 cents. <sighs> like, I'm going to try yeah, it out. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Like, um, yeah, so like that's just how I discovered music and it's just how I and it's still how I discover music. Like I I mean whenever I can, whenever there's like actually a record store. But <laughs> I assume there's not many or at least like they don't get that frequent deliveries over there. Well, no. And the thing that is um but I guess the thing that's really positive here is that uh Norway is uh tremendously practical as a society. And mm-hmm. so they're really just like unloading all their records. They're just like not that interested anymore because okay. we've got Spotify. <laughs> what do we need records for? So there's yeah. like tons of like cheap, used, weird records. Um, oh. And a lot of them are Norwegian. Like you get a lot of like Norwegian pop and a lot of accordion music. But um, mm-hmm. but there's some really cool stuff tucked in there. It's pretty fun. It's been like half a day searching for something. Yeah, really yeah. Sure. Like half a day every day. <laughs> Windsor, 
Broadcasting from CJAM-FM since 2001, Girly So Groovy dubs itself as the only show dedicated to the women who rock and to the people who love them. We're an award-winning weekly radio program that gives stage to the pioneering and contemporary female and non-binary musicians in a multitude of genres. Girly So Groovy truly is a weekly radio rock party where the music always speaks for itself. Join me, your host, Trevor Clunder, Monday nights, 6 until 8 o'clock p.m. here on CJAM 99.1 FM. Uh, I was going to say, it's pretty interesting that you mentioned Janet Jackson because uh, I guess this ties a little bit back into actually producing records and stuff, but I know that Michael Jackson used to... Um, he used to, I don't know if he like forced his children, but he would make them often watch movies without the sound so that they would, um, I guess, get a better idea of the techniques behind it, or at least they would pay yeah, more attention like, to, pay the more attention to the actual shots rather than like the story or something like that. Um, wow. And like, I think we kind of, when we heard that... Can we just think of how... I mean, obviously, you know that when people make films or do radio or do anything, that there's a lot of work that goes into it. But I almost feel like sometimes when you have to do it yourself, uh, at least for me, like it takes away a little bit of the magic. Yeah. Because I'm like, ah, there it goes. But do you ever feel like being behind the curtain is the same for you, too? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I do feel that sometimes. And I do kind of... um... I miss that, like, oh, my God, what is that and how did they make it kind of Mm -hmm. factor that you get when you, like, when you actually don't have any idea how something was made. But the thing is, it's like that's part of why I think I'm always um, I'm always searching for things. And 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 the thing I I mean, one of the funny things about, like, where we are in human history uh, is that, like. Uh, actually, we just have enough music. There's enough recorded music. Like we don't need to make. We had advanced enough as a society. We don't. Yeah, need to no, we're basically we can we could just stop. None of us are ever gonna get through all of the music. None of us are ever gonna get through even that much of it. Yeah, like we really should just like stop. Oh, and and I think about this sometimes. It's sort of like, wow, why am I still making? Oh, right, people. It's because I like, <laughs> and because I like like doing stuff with people, and that's why I do it. But. One of the cool things about having like such a vast wealth of music that was recorded in so many different circumstances with so many different like kinds of equipment in so many places in the world by so many different people with so many different motivations is that there's always going to be something that's like, oh, my God, how did you do that? Like, yeah. And whether it's like the quality of the recording um, because of the mic preamp like tape machine thing or the quality of the playing because this is just like the guitar this person had and it just sounds like amazing but nobody knows why and you'll never recreate it again yeah and you'll never recreate it again there's something just so beautiful about all of that um and 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 there is something like i mean like the example that you cited about like the jacksons that's like kind of it's a little um you know that's a little mind control. Yeah, a little, a little much. Like, yeah, totally. But it does really point at this. Um, uh, it really does point at that like sense of wonder that kids have, and like that thing that happens when you, um, uh, 
like I I mean, I, I, I have done stuff in the studio where like you it's really fascinating what happens when you actually take away one uh, one set of senses from somebody. Like if somebody plays something or sings something like eight or ten times and then you give them a blindfold. It's like actually just like cover your eyes and sing mm-hmm. it again. And and it's like really fascinating what happens. Or like if you give somebody um, like somebody plays something two or three times and they know the part, they know the song. Mm-hmm. And then actually you ask them to play it again, but without anything in their headphones. So like they're not oh. hearing the track and they're not like. Um, and of course it's going to be like out of time and it's not going to like match up with whatever they're recording. Right. But you get a totally different kind of expression. You get somebody like in real time trying, like they're imagining what the song's like and they're, um, they're thinking through playing it, but they're thinking through it in a really like fluid linear way. That's not tied to like whatever's happening in their headphones, you know? Um, and, and so, those kinds of exercises actually really are interesting and like doing them in an environment that's just like really safe and open and like where we're just like we're just trying stuff we're just like trying to figure out how to make something that's like really really inviting and like really like interesting and um and it's going to be really durable for people kind of into the future um and i just you know it's the kiss of death is when you've been working on a song for like five or six hours and nobody wants to work on it and like every time you push play you push stop again after 30 seconds and you talk about it for 10 minutes oh my god or like everybody's like yeah should we go get some lunch oh, no. don't Let's come back <laughs> yeah yeah and i just i'm 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 so sensitive to that kind of thing and like you just have to mm-hmm. get to a point where it's like everybody just wants to keep working on the song and like actually that's maybe the moment when it's done when you want to most tinker with it yeah exactly it's like everybody's i mean you like let people keep throwing ideas at it because like yeah really cool stuff happens sometimes but you know yeah so i guess i was gonna ask is that kind of the thing that draws you to specific albums or songs or even bands and stuff is it just the exploration or the fun part of it too um there is um there are certain records to me that are just still so alive, even though they're recorded and set and fixed and they've been that way forever and ever. Um, I, uh, my wife Diana and I were just, uh, we just, we were just in Spain on vacation. Like she hadn't left Norway in like two years and Norway gets real small when you don't leave it for a couple of years. So we just like, went to Spain and like she saw the sun and it like kind of freaked us out a little bit. It's a little <laughs> weird. Um but we found uh th- we found a couple of used record stores in uh in Spain and we um uh I just bought a stack of records and brought them home because there was a whole bunch of stuff that was like, you know, a handful of things that like I know and it's like, oh yeah, yeah I love this record or oh I know two songs or whatever it is. And we bought a copy of um The Glamorous Life. Mm-hmm. Sheila E is I mean she's she's absolutely fascinating she comes from a super musical family um, she was uh, she's a slam and percussionist just like one of the best Latin percussionists in the world she's unbelievable 
Um, and she caught Prince's attention at some point in like like right around um, Purple Rain. And mm-hmm. Purple Rain's the first record that she turns up on. And she and Prince started writing stuff together. Um, and there were a handful of songs that Prince was working on that like kind of didn't fit quite into the Purple Rain thing and didn't quite fit into what he was doing next. Um, and then Sheila E. had a few songs and they sort of like merged those together and made this record called The Glamorous Life mm-hmm. um, in like 1984 or something. And I mean, I know the single, like the, the hit The Glamorous Life is just unbelievable. Like it's a just such a 10. It's so amazing. Yeah. Um, but the that record is, it's so inspired and it's so alive. Like every second of it is just like, shaking it's just like brimming with life it just like tumbles out of the speakers and it's um it's 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 made of um i mean a ton of technical skill i mean like sheila is just like such an incredible percussionist and such a cool singer and prince was just at the top of his game at that point and they were working really fast and so there's all this enthusiasm but then there's also like it's all so inviting. Like everything on the record is just like, come, come hang out. Like come to the party. Yeah. Come to this party. Like just be here. and you're invited and everybody else you guys are all invited just like come in and that sense of invitation is something that's just really it's so infectious It's not always like really easy to uh, identify, um, but it's uh, and it's really interesting. Like the record that, so like we put on that record and we listened to it top to bottom the other day while we were like cleaning the house or something. And it's just like, oh my god, this record is so good. Yeah. Um, and right after that, um, I put on a Patrice Russian record that I bought, and and I love Patrice Russian. I think she's incredible. Um, uh, but this is a record that I kind of didn't know anything about. It was like one of her like kind of mid 80s records that didn't have any real hits on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it like the record's really adept and it's really good. And it just didn't have that sense of invitation to it. It's just like not there. And the thing is, her mm-hmm. best records do like her best records really are like as as inviting as like the that Sheila E record or like control or whatever. They're just like so great. Um, but it was really interesting. Cause like, I love, I love Patrice Russian. I love how she thinks about the piano and I love how she sings. And it just like, wasn't just like, wasn't there. It was just like, yeah, I wonder why that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, but like every, every artist like goes through a period where they're like, um, where the work really does like 
feel like work and it's just like not you're not like you can't operate at like this you just can't do it forever um and and there's only like um you can always be aware of it and like looking for it but then there's also points yeah. where it's like something weird's happening in your life you're trying something with a new producer you're not really gelling the label's breathing down your neck you're you're going through a divorce mm -hmm. you're you know it's like you know who knows what's going on there's just always something going on so we you know it's like we uh, every artist is like always um I mean, it's it's just like that kind of psychology that like kind of pop armchair psychology thing that people say about like everybody's fighting some kind of huge tiger that you can't actually see. And that's mm -hmm. just it's so true for creative stuff as well. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's but it really is like just all about invitation. It's just all about like, come hang out here. Come be a part of this record. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I almost feel like that's such a interesting juxtaposition with the album that we wanted to talk to you about today, which is Songs About Leaving. Chris mentioned that there is often a lot going on behind the scenes that we as listeners don't always know about. And this is something that definitely holds true when it comes to this album, Songs About Leaving, and also just the band Chris is Weird. They're one of those bands that have a lot of mystery surrounding them. But even just beyond the band and the album, it was a very ominous time in the world, especially in the U.S. And so Chris takes us back to that time and sets the stage. Um, let's see, it's like September of 2001 and I have made... Um, you know, I'm like making, I'm, you know, we're three records, three or four records into Death Cab for Cutie, depending on how you count. And I'm starting to get like more, um, more offers to make records with other people. And I'm starting to really realize that like, um, like I know how to make a record sort of at this point, but I'm really not. I'm really starting to realize that like, wow, I'm not, I'm like really not doing this the way that anybody else is doing this. Like, like people come into the studio and they look at me, you know, like I'm like I'm an alien. Who is the guy we hired? Yeah, totally. It's like, what are you doing? And it's like, yeah, well, we're going to record the drums last. And they're like, what? No, probably not. Um, so I'm, I, I'm really starting to realize that like, like I'm, I, I'm feeling like I have some, I'm feeling pretty confident about like some things I feel at in 2000, 2001, I feel pretty confident about like the arc of a song and the arc of a record, like how all of those like smaller arcs sort of fit into one larger thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling really confident about a particular kind of, um, like kind of encouraging people to, I don't know, like be sensitive into a mic in a really particular kind of way. Um, and I had made one record with Carissa's Weird already. And and we we did that really quickly. Uh, and I had a really good sense of like who they were. And I really liked them as people. I just thought they were really wonderful. Um, and I also couldn't figure them out at all. Like I, I was sort of... I really enjoyed that they were such a gang. Like they were really just like a, 
Um, they were really a family and they really leaned on one another and they really took care of one another. Um, but I also got the sense that they were really like pretty, um, they were kind of in the woods and like they, I think they, um, you know, they had some, they had some problems. There was some stuff going on under the hood and I, you know, it's like, I, I still don't know what some of that stuff was, but, um, but I loved what they were doing. Um, and I loved how they were singing and writing and, uh, yeah, so they wanted me to do another record, and I enjoyed being around them, and things were going really well for them, and um, and so I said, yeah, let's do it. So the record was, uh, we were slated to start the record on September 11th, 2001. Oh. Yeah, like I got up, and I, you know, it's like, it was a beautiful day in Seattle, and like, I was like, ah, yeah, I'm gonna start a record with some people I like, and um went to the coffee shop and got coffee and everybody was just like really weird at the coffee shop and I kind of couldn't figure out what was going on and I was like you know it's like it was my regular place and I was like hey how are you guys doing and they're like yeah we're... How, how are you doing and I'm like yeah I'm fine can I have a double tall latte thanks and they're like yeah yeah of course um and so uh yeah here's your drink I have a take care and i like actually have no idea what's going on um yeah. and then i get in the car and i'm listening to kexp and like john john richards john in the morning is on and you know he's playing like god he's playing he's play he played a low record and then he played oh my god <laughs> gillian welch and like it's just like a very down morning and then he comes he does a station break and it's like this is john you're listening to kexp um Here's some more tunes. And it's like, what is going on? And I just like, no, you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm just like not clued into it. And, and it wasn't until I got to the studio and like turned on all the lights um, and got in there. And my girlfriend at the time called me and she's like, uh, Hey, I think, um, uh, I think maybe you should come home. And we were living in an apartment that was like just right at the base of the space needle at that point okay. um, like really close to the Seattle center. And so on the day it was sort of feeling like this might be a target. And oh, so yeah. like, so there was this like kind of, there was this real just sense of like the, I mean, the panic was just like kind of indescribable, even on the West coast. It was so weird. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So we put off the start of the Carissa's weird record for a day and we started it we started it like 24 hours later we started it on september 12th and um and we started it, it like we just started at the start we started with you should be hated here So like the sound of the first song on songs about leaving is like, I mean, first of all, it's the sound of Carissa's weird and it's the sound of those people and their songs um, in that moment. But it's also like the sound of like that's sort of the emotional and spiritual like overlay on the whole thing. And it's just like it has this like kind of tension about it that's just not like anything else that I've ever been in a room for or with. And to spell the 
Yeah, and that whole record, the whole album has this like kind of it's uh it it has just the most like it's just the most unique kind of like tension and um and the way that the like the things that the thing about Chris is weird is that they are clearly like so it's so like kind of fragile and gentle but the things that they're certain about and clear about um about like a particular kind of um like the album just really hinges on relationships and it hinges on a particular kind of uh, sorrow or loss or misunderstanding. And they're so sure about all of those things about like what's happening, like inside of them and what's happening in whatever relationships that they're singing about. So to have that kind of like real clarity and certainty in like song and message, like inside of this, like, really like fragile musical landscape and then inside of this bigger like kind of time and place um you know emotional spiritual bubble is just like woof like what a trip of a record you know I've listened to it a couple times in the last few days just like uh thinking forward to this interview and um and I really do like love this record and it's one of uh I mean, it's it's really imperfect, and there's a lot of like really crazy moments in it. And there's a lot of stuff that I probably yeah. would have approached really differently in hindsight. But it is just like there's just nothing else like it on the planet. Like it's so wild, and it's not. I, I would say it's not inviting in a conventional sense. Um, but the thing that's really special about this record is that. Um, the doors open like just a crack and if you happen to be in a place where you can peer in the door and like recognize what's going on the world's like really there for you and you really are invited into it and 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 you have to get to um I mean, you have to get to their speed like you have to get to Matt's mindset and and Jen's like mindset and and the way that they're like sort of talking through everything that they're talking through um but if you can get there it's so human and it's so warm and it's so genuine
the supersonic decelerating counter-rotating turbines vertically, we're getting a little too close to the sun. <gasps> Depress the aerothermal thermal razor jets. Accelerate the isothermal oxyacetylene vaporometers. Invert the compression radial ratio. Energize the tandem ailerons vertically while I turn up this interplanetary microphone. <laughs> You're listening to C-Jam 99.1 FM. Windsor, Detroit. Your voice of the underground. Hey, C-Gem listeners. Looking for more ways to connect with C-Gem programming? Try streaming C-Gem through iHeartRadio. Listen online, download the iHeartRadio app, or use your smart speaker. Okay, Google, play C-Gem on iHeartRadio. No matter where you are, experience CGM FM on higher ground. just heard the first couple of songs off of Songs About Leaving by Carissa's Weird, which is the album we're diving into today with Chris Walla, who was the producer for the album. The first three songs we played for you were You Should Be Hated Here, Silently Leaving the Room, and So You Want to Be a Superhero. You're listening to Absent Sounds here on CGM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit.
Um, and and I that that thing that happens in this record where like the vocals are just tucked way into it and they're really quiet and you like really have to like lean in. So it 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 has this like kind of riveting quality where like like you turn it on and it's like wait what's going on? It's like and it it sort of like makes you slow down and lean forward and like kind of it kind of makes you slow down in a way. Um, and I you know, like working on it was kind of like that too. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, um, that's the overlay for the record. Yeah. Like you mentioned, it's like, there's this very intense vulnerability to the Mm -hmm. music all throughout. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I mean, recently as well, I, I guess in preparation for this, we were listening to an interview from Jen and I was so struck by this utterly depressed manner of which she spoke about that era. Yeah. Yeah. Of her life. Yeah. Where she was saying, we're going to release this record and, and then I'm going to die. Yes. And I guess that was the first time I really felt like, oh, like it resonates. And I felt like I know what she's talking about. And I guess being in that place of resigning yourself to death yeah. in a way, especially being in that place for such a long time producing the record. Yeah. Did you find that you almost had to be a method actor or put yourself there? Or was it just natural like that? It was honestly, it was pretty natural. And some of the stuff mm-hmm. that I, um, some of the stuff I'm the very most drawn to musically is actually like pretty close to uh, Carissa's weird territory. Like it's really, I mean, I do tend to like stuff that's like pretty morose and pretty heavy and pretty, um, uh, pretty serious and often pretty desperate. Like, um, mm-hmm. And I think that the, um, you know, like people talk about how, um, uh, like, there's uh, there's songs and there's bands and there's records that like save people's lives, like kind of literally, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like sometimes that feels like kind of a. Like, it's a little, um, maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but I just, like, really don't think it is. And there's something about being able to, um, particularly when you're down near the bottom, um, I always found it really helpful to reach out to records that were just especially grave and especially dark. Yeah. hearing somebody, hearing that somebody else was, like, having a really similar sort of experience and hearing particularly in the records that are like so beautiful and exquisite um like that like i um i mean that record for me is disintegration the cure record um and disintegration is like it's a i mean it's like god it's so long it's like 68 or 69 minutes and it's kind of one big flavor for the whole thing um, and it's absolutely epic and it's absolutely devastating. Like it's such a tough record, but it's also so exquisite. It's so beautiful. It's so like decorated and it's so floral and there's so many things in it that are so like, um, so warm and generous and giving and even when the words are just like as low as it gets, there's some kind of um, there's something happening tonally or beautiful or um, or or musically that's like really beautiful. 
Um, and, and I love that. Like I really needed that stuff. So, um, like for me, that record was, uh, was one of the touchstones for, uh, songs about leaving. And, and maybe, I mean, that's, that record's been a touchstone for just a lot of stuff I've worked on over the years. Um, and, and like the last song on songs about leaving, it was probably green is, uh, it's it's really closely related to the last song on disintegration it's really closely related to untitled um and i i think we talked i i'd be shocked if we didn't talk about untitled like while we were recording <laughs> it was probably green because these guys are i mean they were huge cure fans and like so much of jen's guitar playing is just so influenced by by robert smith um, all those like snaky guitar melodies and stuff. So, yeah. 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 I mean, a little, just a few minutes ago, I was like kind of talking about records that are really alive. And this one, like kind of like songs about leaving kind of has that thing, even as it's like, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's like, it's such a funny record. It's like in so many ways, it's trying so hard to just be ignored completely. It's like, can we turn it down more? Can we turn it down more? Can we make it quieter? Can we turn it down even more? Like, it's just, it's sort of like, like, how quiet can we actually make it? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the answer is, like, pretty, pretty quiet. Like, you can kind of, you can yeah. like really get down there with it. Yeah, that definitely reminds me of um, Liz Harris with Group Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's one. Um, there's... Um, I mean, I really love music that's like barely, just barely, barely there. There's something about making something that, um, like, oh, Emma Ruth Rundle, that last album. Yes, totally. And in the back. yeah, yeah, exactly. And and like where that, um, the impulse to make it and release it only barely outweighs the impulse to actually not do it, like, or to not do it publicly or something you know yeah 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 I really I mean I really do go for that stuff yeah for sure it just draws you in um and I think another interesting thing about the record is definitely the dates that are scattered throughout with like September come take this heart away and then there's also a new holiday November 16th um March 19th and yeah I guess while I mean you kind of expect those dates to have some kind of personal meaning or just recount some personal history or something but I almost feel like it speaks more to the fact that the record exists kind of in this time and space and it's just frozen there forever Mm -hmm. like dates are just going to stay there and they're frozen yeah for all of eternity do you ever wonder what might have happened if the band kept going or if it wasn't frozen in time and they didn't just disperse yeah I don't know I mean I god the thing about Carissa's weird is that they were like just a stunningly staggeringly talented group of people yeah like, and they kind of like they didn't keep doing Carissa's weird but they all like kept doing stuff mm-hmm. and I mean like you know like Matt and Ben started Band of Horses for God's sakes and then like <laughs> yeah. you know and like I mean and I had no idea at that point, like Ben was, Ben's the drummer on Songs About Leaving. And I sort of had no idea that he, um, I knew that he could like sing a little bit, but I like, I had no idea that he had the kind of like, kind of emotional language and emotional reach that, 
that he has. I mean, Jen's work is just so, so many different kinds of heartbreaking and has been like since, you know, since this and before. Mm -hmm. Um, And Matt's Grand Archives records are so cool and they're sort of like an extension of this and like hearing him on those records like sort of come into his voice more and like sort of open up and and reach out a little bit was just really fun um and Sarah Standard the violin player in Carissa's Mm -hmm. Weird is such a staggering player and she's just I mean she's I mean, my God, I've put microphones in front of a fair few, like, really excellent string players. Um, but Sarah's, uh, Sarah's, jeez, God, how do I talk about Sarah's playing? Like, her, her, um, just her soul is, like, so in that instrument. And she's so expressive with it. And her melodic choices are so good. Her pitch is so good. Her tone is so beautiful and rounded and gentle. Um, And she's so like fluid and lyrical with the instrument. It just like and and her playing like really does this fascinating thing for the record where like where Matt and Jen like vocally tend to really hide and they're like quite quiet. Um, Yeah. It's to me like one of the things that makes this record work is the fact that Sarah is the voice in the band with her fiddle who's like actually like doing all the like she's really like doing the kind of push that um, that that Jen and Matt might have done if they were like different kinds of singers or if they were like in a different band or if they'd been born in some like different time. Like she was sort of like the uh, she's sort of like the the anguish translator in a way you know like really just getting out all of the like all the sorrow um and then like jeff's piano playing is so like it's so understated and his melodies are so like they're so simple and like kind of almost nursery rhyme like the way that he moves around the piano but my god they're so sticky and indelible and like beautiful yeah i mean they're just like they're they were just a, great musicians yeah like just great and all really special musicians like you know just like really really developed in terms of like personal identity and um and like kind of what they what they were hoping and wanting to achieve and and like i just like i love that On Apps and Sounds, we love doing album playthroughs, and so we wanted to take the time today to strip this record down bare. And who better to do that with than with Chris Walla himself? And the first track, You Should Be Hated Here, is such a strong opening for the record. Like Chris mentioned earlier in our interview, they recorded this literally a day after 9-11, and you almost feel that all of that really seeps into it. The song is so tender, and it feels like Jen is literally singing or whispering into your ear. And I think that also explains why we've been coming back to it so often during the past year. I feel like I've just wanted something that's really soothing, a nice comfort blanket. But one thing you notice about this album is that it prompts the listener to ask all these questions. Who is Jen speaking to, and what is she even speaking about? 
and we never really get answers throughout the whole record. Or at least it doesn't seem like we do. Yeah, and even though they do allow a lot of space for the questions to breathe, the answers might not always be in the places where we expect. Well, I feel like the answers in this record are, um, they're all found in tone and mood and uh, intent and in and in the music in a way, because like you really don't you you really don't find out like you know why we're only here to fall apart or what the ten point buck is meant to represent yeah. or um you know any of it but it's all like um i think that song especially the first song in the record you should be hated here is just such a um it, it's such a tone poem like all the images in it are so striking um and, and that like that verse uh that like second verse is it the chorus is it, i don't even know what it is it's like the second part of the song where like Jen and Matt are just singing completely yeah. different, completely different yeah, words, completely different like melodies, that. completely different stories, even. And like the 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 most important thing I think to get out of the song is just this sense of like utter despondency and despair inside of a kind of confusion. And the process of like because they start in like such nice harmony and then it kind of descends into this just massive um, words and melody. And then it like kind of comes together again and like you sort of get this sense of somebody like sitting up straight and their shoulders going back a little bit and and, and you get this sense of courage coming out of it. Like um, like I think that's for me, like that's the takeaway. It's like all impressionistic. It's like all feel. Um, and, and, and the words are, you know, the words are there if you want to dig into them and like sort of yeah. try and read meaning into them. But, um, but that's, you know, in a record and in, in certainly in a song like this and all through a lot of this record that feels really secondary to me. I was just going to say that the line that says I might be leaving soon was, I guess, really interesting because they did leave. Uh, do you remember at the time if you knew it was nearing the end? No, I uh, not. I didn't. I had no idea that it was going to be near the end of the thing. And actually, I mean, they still they went on for a while. Yeah, the tour, I think. More, yeah, yeah. Because like Sarah Cahoon joined the band, and um, they, you know, they did they did a couple. They were on for a little longer, but it mm-hmm. it was kind of like. Um, yeah, I sort of, I mean, the thing with Chris is weird was that, like, I kind of just didn't, uh, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, I couldn't always tell what was happening. I couldn't always tell what was, um, what was, what was going on. And honestly, in, in all honesty, like, the thing about, so you want to be a superhero that, um, uh, uh, like, I was just, I was actually really worried about Jen. Um, like, Jen was, uh Jen was in pretty rough shape when we were making that record and um and and that's a that's like a pretty that's a pretty desperate song it's pretty rough 
Um, and I, you know, I was, I was, yeah, I was pretty genuinely worried about her. Um, but I also wasn't, I, you know, it's like I wasn't as close with any of them as they were with one another. Did you cry while recording it? Or Yeah, yeah. I love crying when I'm recording records. Sometimes it freaks the artist out, but <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a real slippery slope. It's um, <laughs> um yeah, yeah. But this, I yeah, I did some crying during songs about leaving. Like this is a, it's a, it's yeah, it's a heartbreaker. There's some pretty rough stuff in there, so yeah.
CJAMFM 99.1 CJAM.ca Community Radio Bridging Boundaries Between Windsor and Detroit The Windsor Amputee Support Group aims to provide a place where amputees can share their experiences. The WASG arranges guest speakers, social gatherings, and a peer support mentor program, which is available to both amputees and their families. Our office is now at Hotel de Grasse Healthcare on Prince Road. Appointments are required. To contact the Windsor Amputee Support Group, call 226-347-6678 or email windsoramps at gmail.com. For more information, visit windsoramps.ca. You've been listening to Apps and Sounds here on CJM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. You're currently listening to an interview Weijer and I did with Chris Walla, who is one of our favorite, favorite musicians and producers, and just a really great human being. The album that we've been diving into today with him has been Songs About Leaving by Carissa's Weird, and the last three songs we played in that set were September Come Take This Heart Away, Ignorant Piece of Poop, <laughs> and The Piano Song. I mean, I guess that kind of brings us back to something else I wanted to ask, because, I mean, in between September, Come Take This Heart Away and Ignorant, there's this, right at the end of the song, there's this laugh, and then someone says, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so ironic because this is such an emotional piece of music or work, and suddenly, like, there's this off switch, and then it goes back on again. Yeah, it's like... The artists detach themselves. I don't know what it is. I just wonder how do you think they're able to detach themselves or even or even as a listener or like the producer for it? How do you detach yourself? From um, it? Well, I think that like I, I just don't. <laughs> it just like, confuses you. I, yeah, it, it really does. And like these I, I mean, you can talk with anyone I've ever made a record with and they'll tell you like for better or worse it's like yeah he kind of really gets into it um and and i I, you know it's like i really do like kind of breathe this stuff in and i kind of live and die by it a little bit and um and i just i care about these records really deeply and that doesn't it means that i'm always invested in it. it it sometimes means that um like i'm you know, it doesn't mean that I'm like always making like excellent decisions or like working with a really clear head, which is one of the dangers of like working really emotionally. It's like actually sometimes you need the promote uh, the producer to be like pretty logical and like pretty clear headed. Yeah. And actually just be like, OK, here's the punch list. We got to get through this and this and this and this and this, and this today. And you got to do this. And Jen, you got to do this. And Sarah, you got to play these three violin parts and we just got to do it. Come on, let's go. And you like you really do need that energy, but like that energy is just like not around if I'm crying. It's just like not <laughs> even very close. It's just sort of like, <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> like <laughs> oh seriously. My, yeah. So um yeah. Yeah, but the thing about the um that segue from uh from September into ignorant was uh like September, the tail end of September, I remember being um pretty tough for the band to actually execute like it was pretty tough to get 
Um, and we got to the end of it, and I think Ben was just like really excited about it. There was just this like, yeah, oh my god, <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. we got it, kind of thing. And the way that that came out on tape, and where they wanted it to be in the um, in the running order for the record, like that segue just like kind of made sense. And and the thing about Chris is weird is that like they were they were pretty depressed. They were a sad group of people, but they were so funny. Like they were such a just goofy, like ridiculous gang and their in jokes were like so ridiculous and hilarious. And um, and that's another thing about like just working on records with bands is like they every band has its own like kind of um, its own chemistry and its own like, you know, sort of shorthand and shared language and all that sort of thing and and i mm -hmm. you know i just like love watching all that stuff and i love when little bits of it like make it um into the record um particularly with bands who are like really um uh really like serious or self-serious or self-conscious or like whatever it is and you know again like i don't know which version of those things Chris's weird was but um but yeah it's just it's all part of the, the humanity of it. Yeah, that definitely makes me think a little bit about identity because of the of the fact that being in such an emotional place, definitely I can imagine how that would become a part of you or at, or at least every record that you work on might become a little part of your identity or attach themselves to you. Yeah. And over time, does that ever tend to make you feel like your work is, like like you are the sum of your work rather than a whole person without it? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, and I, uh, I think about this a lot and I, um, I mean, I've actually like in, yeah, like honestly, I've struggled with it quite a lot after leaving Death Cab for Cutie because it's like, it's, you know, it's those guys were like their brothers and I'm not in a band with them anymore. And, um, mm -hmm. and the, you know, me leaving the band wasn't like, it wasn't uh it wasn't acrimonious but it also wasn't like super pleasant it was pretty like rough and i'm you know it's like i'm i i don't communicate with them much and i love them to death and i respect them a great deal and i mm -hmm. i would take a bullet for any of them um and also it's complicated like oh my god it's so complicated and it's really complicated when um uh you know like the songs are like you do invest in the songs and you invest in the stories of the songs and the people the songs are about and um and yeah just really it really it really gets in there and it's sort of like um it's it just really you know it really changes things over time um and and my feelings about the records change even though the records like don't change yeah. And my relationship with the records changes, even though the records like don't change. So it's like just being in a weird relationship with a it's like being in a an emotional relationship with a stuffed animal <laughs> in a way. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, yeah, like I'm mad at you today. And it's like you're I'm the same <laughs> as I was yesterday. Like, um, you know, the songs aren't people. They're not relationships. They're not. It's yeah. So like untangling all that stuff's really tricky. Um. And, and and with the records that I like love the most that I've worked on, like this one, like some uh, songs about leaving, it's um, 
like these ones, uh, like this record's easier in a lot of ways because, um, because it was, um, well, actually, I don't know why it was easier, but it's, uh, but somehow it is, it's like really easy to talk about and it's really easy to, um, like sort of cheerlead and like be a, be a fan of and like come back and listen to it and realize that it's like just such a like weird special piece of work even though it's um like there really are so many things about it that I would like approach really differently Mm -hmm. um but but again it's like it's a time and it's a place and it's like I did I did everything I knew how to do at the time um and the band did everything they knew how to do at the time and like god what more can you ask for yeah 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 it reminded me of just the feeling of finding your identity in a lot of songs and then Mm self-identifying in them and I know that can be really harmful of just like saying you know when she's saying I that I'm saying I and that the story that she's telling is my story and it can be really comforting sometimes but then yeah it can put you in a yeah this is another side note um and I don't even know if I want to bring this up but with self-identifying it reminded me of the of Into the Wild with oh Christopher McCallum yeah 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 I remember really self-identifying identifying with him and then when he spoiler alert died <laughs> yeah i was like i was yeah. like is this gonna be my future that's horrible yeah. but the thing is it's like that's what i'm i mean the, the, we are taught songs through self-identification you know it's like because when you're when you're four and you're learning twinkle twinkle little star how i wonder what you are like you're not you're four and the i is me and there is no there's no separation so in in the most like in those years like between when you're like four and like eight nine ten like the most formative years of your life when your brain is like the most adaptable and the most plastic the things that we like this is how we it's how we attach ourselves to music so like is i mean it's like i'm honestly like kind of suspicious of people who don't i mean it's like i don't self-identify with everything it's like yeah you know i hear like uh i like i can't i can't fathom like self-identifying with a christmas song <laughs> you know like um but i i still like there's still songs that are just like i mean seriously like every time i hear them i just like i am so there and i'm so inside of it um, and there are songs that will just like I'll you know I'll hear them and burst into tears for the rest of my life. It'll just never change. It'll never go away. Um, yeah, and like that's that's great. Like, what more could you ask for in a way? <laughs>
It's been quite a long interview, and if you've stuck with us for this whole trip, we're very thankful that you were listening, and I hope you've enjoyed it so far. You've been listening to Apps and Sounds here on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. We're entering the last batch of songs now, and in this section, a lot of the songs do tend to have this overlying theme, I think, where they end up being almost the darkest ones on the album. We have They'll Only Miss You When You Leave, A New Holiday, November 16th, and Farewell to All These Rotten Teeth. Just a lot of really beautiful titles that sort of do end up telling the story. And one thing that I think is interesting that Chris mentioned is just how he's able to look for a narrative and find story in everything that he does. The last half of this album is, um, man, I don't know. I just thinking through them. Um, yeah. So the thing with a sophisticated, sophisticated F princess is that that is another of, um, uh, that's another of the ones that Jen recorded on her four track and brought in for us to, you know, kind of dress up as much as we could in the studio. And, uh, Jen is just, uh, Jen's really interesting because um, her sense of how it, um, yeah, she's so, she's like all at once, like really economical and precise with words and then really, um, really visceral and visual and illustrative. Um, And, and she's like really direct and really roundabout somehow all at exactly the same time. Yeah. And I've always kind of loved that about, um, about the, the, the like her work in the Carissa's records and the S records and the, and the Jen champion records. I think it's just, it's just so great. And then when you pair whatever she's singing with, uh, Jen is truly like bar none. One of my favorite singers, like, the way that Jen is able to communicate um, a story, a set of words is just uh, just so amazing. Like I'm just always leaning in. Like she opens her mouth and I'm like, yes, tell me more. <laughs> like I want to know all about it. So yeah, I, uh, I don't know if I, I remember the, um, the running order for the tail end of the record being a little bit of a, a little bit of a, thing and I think that some of that had to do with the songs and the topics of the songs and to some degree the song titles because like it does get a little bit like that first side of the record I would say through the piano song locks together pretty well kind of conceptually like things sort of like flow in and out of one another and the second half of the record is just like slightly looser. Even for yourself, I guess looking at the world in that way, yeah. does that stay within music or do you kind of always view things as a story to tell in your own life? I tend to view everything as a story of a sort. And sometimes that gets me into trouble because sometimes there's no story. There's just a song. Yeah. And a great song doesn't have to be a great story. And I don't have to, you know, I don't have to ascribe some story to a song that's like not a great story to make it a great song so I um but I really do tend to view everything like that and I really do tend to think of albums as I think of albums the same way I think about films just the same way I think about movies I think of them in terms of timing and 
emotional reach and how much and how much when and why and I I think there's I think there's a story in everything. I mean, there's always a story in like how we got here and why we're making it together or why you wrote something or why I'm working on it. And that's like not nothing. So, yeah. 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 I know I tend to romanticize my life a bit much. And I, and it's like you literally can't always do that. It's it's nice to be able to build a skill set so that you can like step out of that sometimes if you need to. Um, and that's something that it took me a long time to figure out. I mean, it's it's much like the uh, it's it's much like the like like you can't make a punch list when you're crying. <laughs> thing. Yeah, you yeah, just, you just yeah. can't. It's like a different different energy. Like you're almost a different person. But like having a um, being able to put on a couple of different hats, like the um, you know, it's like I'm like there's the part of the record where like. Maybe I'm like the cool, crazy uncle that you get to like hang out with and we do crazy <laughs> stuff together. And then like at some point I'm like dad and it's like, OK, it's time to get to work. We got to do some stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You mentioned it a little bit already. March 19th, 1983. It was probably green. Mm-hmm. But this is such a beautiful little closer with just a soft piano and I believe an organ in there, too. But mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What I especially like is just, yeah, I think it does get a little bit tense and then it's it has this little nice letdown to let us yeah. out, softly yep. be released from the album. But the lyrics especially, with the part where it says, finally I brought myself to sing these words, after the snow you can see the leaves. And I guess it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, of just being like uh, able to tell a story and while the album isn't really particularly a cheery one, I do think that it does kind of have this encouraging, I don't know if that's really the right word for yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's it's almost like it lets you down softly so you're not cr- just crash landing by yourself after. Yeah, yeah and, and so yeah, a good way to end things off is just, because I know it can be really hard to find the words to share or be open to people, or even just string the words along to your thoughts. Which is why we appreciate you joining us so much I'm today. I'm so. I mean, anytime you guys want to talk about records, I'm really down. I love it. Oh yeah, I'm there's just so. so this has been so fun. This is really, really a fun thing to do. I'm, I'm really enjoyed it so much. Thank you so Thank much, you. Chris. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was really a lot of fun. Uh, but my, but my question was, how do you find courage to be open and share your side of things? <sighs> um, with a lot of. Uh, with a lot of practice it's not um, it's it's not an it's not an event it's a process it's a process that's like just unfolding in real time all the time and being able to reach out and be vulnerable and open with somebody about su- something one thing anything is it just doesn't it doesn't mean that the next time you want to reach out and be vulnerable with somebody it's going to be the same way and uh even if it's about the same thing or even if it's about something totally different it's just it's like always different and it's always it's always evolving and we are always you know in in every moment we're just always uh the the collected accreted sum of every everything that we've ever been I'm somebody who, like, I tend to get really, really stopped up with words. 
I mean, I, I like, I'm, I'm really comfortable like speaking like this with you guys. I'm really comfortable like having a conversation, talking about stuff yeah. I believe really strongly in. Um, but I have a really hard time with, uh, with lyrics and it's not because I'm not a decent writer. Like I think I'm a pretty okay writer, but, uh, and I love to sing. I love to sing more than just about anything, but the process of like singing the words that I've written is, um, it's a kind of vulnerability that's just, it's often just too much. It's usually too much. Which is why I haven't put out another record that's full of songs. After. To Field Manual, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's not because the songs aren't, like, there's a bunch of these, like, I mean, the, the hard drive's, like, right there. It's <laughs> just, it's, I mean, there's just hundreds, hundreds of hours of stuff. It's just, like, hanging out. But the thing is that it's, like, it's, it's really hard to prioritize that. It's hard for me to prioritize my own work in part because I recognize how hard it is for people to do that and in part because I recognize and just respect so deeply that there are people in this world who are like actually able to do it and driven to do it and I think one of the things about Carissa's Weird um, was that there was always like every moment there was like kind of a question of like wow is this actually a band is like is matt like actually a singer in a band i'm not totally sure today like is jen like actually a singer is she like actually up for this because it is so it's so tentative it's such a like fragile gentle record and and at that point in time they were um i mean my sense was that they were they really were like pretty fragile people and and so i just yeah i mean just being in a room with anybody who uh has the wherewithal and the courage and the skill and the you know who is in a place where they're actually able to bring that to to the front and sing it into a microphone for people to hear through a pair of speakers forever and ever i'm i mean i'm just like i'm kind of so bowled over and so kind of honored and a little freaked out that I get to be in a room with that, like, kind of over and over and over. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I think that's the perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for tuning into our show today. And thank you, Chris, ever so much for agreeing to do this interview and taking time out of your day to dive into one of our favorite records of all time. Yeah, it just means so much to us, and we really appreciate it. I hope you have a really great rest of your day, and we will catch you next week. Bye. Hi there, this is Chris Wallach. You're listening to Absent Sounds on CGM, Windsor, Detroit.